0: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com.
1: And welcome back to Overnight America. Yes, we're going to hook up with our friends in Canada this hour, which means that we're going to talk about some goofy things. That's how it normally works. The Sunday nights are slower. I don't uh, it, We could play slow jams. Should we just do that and get with uh, someone you love and start dancing tonight. No, that's not going to happen. No, I didn't think so. So let's talk more about what's going down. And part of the vaccine rollout that we're seeing. In St. Louis, a lot of people are wondering, why do I have to drive so far for it? One of the nice additions is that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is on its way. And I saw this. You heard uh, Maria talk about at the top of the hour. I also saw right up over at KMOV, but 50,000 doses of Johnson & Johnson vaccine is going to hit this week. I am not someone that's hesitant to take the the uh, virus, uh, excuse me, the coronavirus vaccine. Some people are still hesitant. I don't have a need to take it right now. I'm still working from home. I'm younger and I'm healthy. I'm not a vulnerable population, even though they're extending it out to people like me, which is kind of strange because we're on the same tier as teachers. Yeah, media, as in broadcast, uh, communications, things like that, they put them in the same tier. To me, feels weird. So I don't feel right uh, taking one right now. I don't know how the company feels about that. It's it's thinking to myself, if I'm not engaging with anyone else and I'm, I'm not really, you know, I'm still doing the distancing and I'm not a high risk and I haven't had it already and will probably be fine to hold back for a while. I don't mind taking the Johnson and Johnson when it comes out. Just do one shot. Don't have to do a second one. It might not be as effective, but it's still pretty effective. But considering I'm a healthier individual and I'm not in the risk zone, then this might be the one for me. Letting everyone else get the Johnson and John, uh, excuse me, let everyone else get the other vaccine, the Pfizer, the Moderna, the ones that everyone's fighting over. I'll just wait. I don't mind. Missouri Health Director Dr. Randall Williams signed a standing order for the vaccine on Sunday, authorizing approved vaccinators to be administered at the vaccine sites and the doses once they're received. It says that the vaccine considered 72 percent effective in the United States, 86 percent protection against severe forms of the disease. That's not too bad at all. I also feel that uh, with all the other people waiting in line for the other ones that uh, just do whatever you can. I don't know if you can mix and match. I don't think you're allowed or should do it. I think you're supposed to wait for the other one. I don't think if you got the first one, you say, yeah, I'll just finish it up with the Johnson and Johnson. I don't think it works that way. Some people are very much against it. When my mom received the vaccination, she said she talked to the nurses and. And she said about a third of the nurses will not take it. The ones that she just encountered when she got it, which is kind of interesting. They're pretty open. They're not trying to discourage you if you want it, but they're just saying personally that they wouldn't get it. You would think if you're a nurse, you would want to get it. But their philosophy is I've been working through all of this, the PPE and things I've been wearing pretty effective. I just won't get it right now. Another part of the coronavirus is the eviction moratorium, which some people here wondered in St. Louis if that was going to be lifted. And a judge has ruled that that moratorium is unconstitutional based on what the CDC has actual authority over. So would the CDC be able to defend this? Maybe. I'm I'm, I'm assuming that the Biden administration is going to want them to do that. And I also feel like if that's the case, How long is this going to be stretched out for? Is it just going to expire around the same time it would have expired anyway? But this is what I'm really afraid of when it comes to the housing problems that we're going to have. If someone hasn't paid rent or mortgage in the past six, seven months, eight months or whatever it is, because they don't have a job or maybe they just decided I could you know, get away with not doing it, then what's going to happen when this is lifted? Are we just going to have a burst of people running to the courts and saying, okay, time to sue this tenant because, you know, we had to evict them and they are back on rent and they owe us, I don't know, if you say, let's say six months, $6,000. We'll just say that. Wow, that's a lot of money to pony up at one time when no one has it. Then is the Congress going to have to get together and say, okay, well, I guess people uh, that missed out on this were either going to have to find ways to forgive loans. We're going to have to bail out tenants? Uh, are we going to have only the ones affected? Or are we just going to give another stimulus package money? We're just going to throw some more cash out there for what we think could help. And we're just going to have you, uh, you know, maybe if there's a judgment against you, we'll just pay the landlord, whatever it is. And then everyone else gets a uh, x amount of dollars. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I just don't know how many people are going to be affected by this moratorium where they're going to be owing more than they can absolutely afford. And then it doesn't matter if they have a job or not. Because even if they have a job, they're not going to be able to pay this. Like they're going to be able to magically come up with six grand. That's what I worry about. And think about how much this is going to tie up the courts. How much of this is just going to be, okay, you got to go in. I don't know if it's going to be small claims because it might be more than what small claims could handle. And from what I understand, small claims are basically lawyers that volunteer their time to hear these sort of cases because they like the idea of wearing a robe and showing up and saying, hey, I've got authority over your life. It's kind of like that feeling to to have that sort of power, like they could have that throne in scepter. And this is the closest they'll get to it. So how many of them are going to want to do something like this? And how many of these courts are just going to get slammed, backlogged? And how much is this going to get lost? I just don't know. But either way, I think that challenging it is right. I think they are right to say the CDC didn't have the power to halt this even during a pandemic. I think there were other options for some of these tenants too. And this might have been the wrong way to do it because you're just kicking the can and it's going to make it even worse. So here in St. Louis, they've even done stories like on Fox 2 about going to some of these different places where the landlord says, I can't evict them, but they are trashing my place. You go inside, it looks like a bomb went off. I mean, it's like they're ripping doors down. The walls are beat up, holes everywhere. It looks like this just trash, like it's a homeless encampment. And they, they can't do anything about it because of the way the CDC has put this ruling down and no one would touch this sort of thing. And now these landlords are thinking, yeah, right. Like I'm ever going to be able to recoup my money. This is going to be a huge loss now. It's terrible. And how many of those stories can you multiply across what's going down right now? So that's a tough situation all the way. But good for um, at least that one court to see it. When we come back, a few other things I want to get to before we connect with our friends in Canada. Bill Maher did a pretty big commentary about cancel culture. He's done it in the past and over the weekend. This is what people are sharing on social media. It's something that Donald Trump also hit on during CPAC. Maybe this is the only thing that the two can agree on. Maybe it's the only thing that you agree with when it comes to Bill Maher. But then again, it's a name you haven't heard all that often. It's, this is the only time he ever gets any sort of publicity. I don't ever talk about him. It's only times like this I do. So we'll play the clip. We'll see if you agree. That's coming up, and in about 15 or so minutes at 12.30, our friends in Canada, Shane Hewitt on the shift. Always look forward to spending time with him. This is Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. The text message coming in from Wyoming. I love the reach of KMOX at night says, I don't think Donald Trump is being vindictive for standing up for himself against those in his own party who stabbed him in the back. That's good. I think, generally speaking, that's the kind of guy he is, right? So it's it's not, once he's wronged or he looks at as being wronged or someone pushes him, man, he'll hit back twice or three times as hard. And he'll keep hitting. <laughs> he'll keep hitting. So maybe there's a little bit of that there, but I get what you mean. Let's go to Warren, who's calling in. welcome to overnight America.
2: Hi, uh, Ryan. I just wanted to mention that i'm sixty six with preconditions, but I haven't had the uh, vaccine yet, but I will refuse the Johnson and Johnson because it was developed for ethical reasons. It was developed using aborted fetuse's uh, stem cells. Um, I think Pfizer and moderna might have used them to test on those cells, but at least they didn't develop it, but they may have tested it, but it's less uh, ethical to get it from them. But I still haven't been called about it yet. And also on uh-huh. so, the complement... Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: So where did you learn about that? Because I maybe I'm not reading too deep into how they manufacture these. I'm curious how you found out about that.
2: Well, the Catholic Ethical Society has pointed that out. That it's. Mm, I uh, see the Johnson and Johnson but the others may have tested them but it's not as uh, ethical problem as as, hmm. as the Johnson and Johnson and also, I wanted to compliment you on the uh putting the uh uh fox 2 uh, commentary about the uh the very expensive uh development uh, agency in St. Louis city and county oh, yeah. oh and, I, and that's great and i also want to compliment you on talking about rush and 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 uh president trump um and uh i just saw a facebook posting and i reshared it which i found interesting they said that technically trump could run for congress in 22 and uh then possibly be elected speaker and then they could impeach both biden and camila <laughs> harris <laughs> <laughs> and he can become president in 22, in Oh, that's
1: funny. You know, I like that sort of thing. Uh, online, it's, it's fun to look at that. And, you know, we can laugh at it, but honestly, I don't know if he's going to run for president or not. The idea of it, I think he enjoys aggravating the crazy yeah. Yeah. left. I think that's what's sure. fun about it. Uh, let me point out something else. Can I just say about the... Uh, uh, aborted fetuses remember when we had this whole debate about Planned Parenthood profiting from this yeah and they said oh yes. no we don't profit from this do you think they were giving those things to these manufacturers for nothing I doubt that I doubt uh, you know I bet they were profiting from this and that's 100 percent proof they are and it's a sad but, terrible industry
2: yeah and uh, they said that these stem cells came from years ago abortions but they still were aborted and so you know Mm. that's sad it's really sad but uh i checked the congressional districts the congressional districts in palm beach are held by democrats so
1: (laughs) he's next in (laughs) of course they'll be
2: be redistricting so who knows but Uh anyway it's kind of a funny thing to look at yeah so again thanks for covering it's neat that rush chose to be buried in st louis so yeah
1: Thank you very much, Warren. I appreciate the call. It is, you know, I think that he's deciding to be buried in St. Louis. There's got to be a story behind why here and not Cape Girardeau, because his parents are buried in Cape Girardeau. I don't know how often he made it back, but he had a great love for St. Louis and a great love for KMOX. He always stood up for radio. There wasn't a lot of radio people that would go out of their way to defend this industry. And he was someone that really on his back took talk radio and carried it for many great years. A lot of people still imitate Rush. Uh, It's going to be tough because it's kind of a fork in the road when it comes to this industry in this format, because there's going to be a difficulty filling that hole. There's such a large group of people, 10, 15, 20 million, however many it is that listen to Rush on a daily basis or maybe even the fill in hosts that they had that appointment. They wanted to listen to him. Are they going to continue to listen to that day part? Are they going to keep listening to their local station or what's going to happen there? I, I really don't know. And it's something that a lot of people in talk radio are trying to uh, wrap their minds around at the moment. I wanted to get to this real quick because we don't have a lot of time. Bill Maher, was over the weekend giving his commentary and talking about this whole issue of cancel culture. He's brought this issue up before. He's brought it up, and you know, even Donald Trump brought it up over the weekend as part of his CPAC speech. Let me play at least part of the commentary here from Bill Maher on his show, HBO's Real Time.
0: Cancel culture is real, it's insane, and it's growing exponentially, and it's coming to a neighborhood near you. If you think it's just for celebrities, no. In an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. It's like we're all trapped in the hills, have eyes and Wi-Fi. (laughs) Take Mr. Emmanuel Cafferty. He is, was a San Diego gas and electric worker, but he got fired because someone reported him making a white supremacist hand gesture outside the window of his truck.
1: Okay, so what this gesture is, you've probably seen it before, it's the okay symbol. It's so stupid that people look at it that way, but it's the okay symbol.
0: But he's not a white supremacist, he's Latino. And he wasn't making a hand gesture, he was probably just flicking a booger. (laughs) Is this really who we want to become? Walking on eggshells, always looking over your shoulder about getting ratted out for something that actually has nothing to do with your character or morals? Think about everything you've ever texted, emailed, searched for, tweeted, blogged, or said in passing, or now even just witnessed. Someone had a Confederate flag in their dorm room in 1990 and you didn't do anything?
1: Uh Uh-huh. That should be a wake-up call for a lot of people. What a great point. You're telling me that you witnessed that in 1995 and you said nothing. Oh, you're part of the problem. You need to be canceled. If you think that is a joke, a a way that it could go, you know, I don't see that as a joke. I see that as a probable outcome of what's happened with this whole cancel culture. And he's absolutely right on it. And he's someone that's been, I don't know, canceled how many times he said, stupid things in the past. A lot of people have done and said stupid things in the past, The crazy thing that you find is that even when there's credible accusations against you, kind of like what you're seeing again in New York with Governor Andrew Cuomo, who you had him caught messing up the nursing home situation when it came to COVID, and probably because of his policies, had thousands of other lives that were lost based on his neglect, not only in the state of New York, but other states that were watching because they were told New York is doing it right, so you need to do what New York's doing. Then you had a woman come forward and say, you know, sexual assault is something that you committed. You kissed me on the lips. You said you wanted to play strip poker with me. You had a local congressman out of New York saying he threatened me. And now you have a second sexual accuser of Governor Cuomo. You want to talk about not canceling him? Uh, But. You can have a dude that's driving around in a pickup truck and gives an OK symbol. And that's the type of thing you want to gang up on. Give me a break. It's not equally enforced. And I don't think anyone feels bad when a Governor Cuomo gets taken down because that's rightful. Uh, That is righteous. And he should be taken down. But they're not directing that mob towards him right now, are they? At least CBS covered it at the top of the hour. I don't know how much uh, was on the cable news networks. They still have this love affair for Governor Cuomo still do. And I think a lot of it has to do with his brother working at CNN. When we come back, we're going to be hooking up with our friends in Canada. And Shane Hewitt's so good at this. We're going to connect our two countries. And I always like to see what's going down in Canada. He says it's been kind of slow up there for him. I don't know if it's kind of slow for us. I mean, we're celebrating nice weather in St. Louis. So I think we'll have some fun right after the weather coming up, too, on Overnight America KMOX.
0: Driven by the Bomberito Automotive Group, the voice of St. Louis, KMOX.
1: News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. This cancel culture stuff also was hit on at CPAC, I think, a lot. Maybe that was part of the whole theme. And I didn't watch any of the actual speeches other than Donald Trump's today. That was the big one. But apparently there were some really good ones that were covered. Maybe I'll get a chance to do that, but probably not. I, I was just mostly wanting to see the highlights. I'll catch some of those. Every Sunday night, we get to hook up with our friends in Canada with the show called The Shift. It's on the Chorus Radio Network, and joining us in just a moment is Shane Hewitt, the host there. I think he might be connecting with us uh, here momentarily. Let's take a listen in. Via KMOX, there it is. the voice of St. Louis. So nice. There he is. Hello, Shane.
3: What's up, Ryan Recker? How are you?
1: I'm doing good. I'm actually enjoying this Sunday. How are you?
3: Uh, it's been a busy weekend. My son got his driver's license. I was sharing with the audience this past week as he turned 16. So oh it was a weekend of new new discovery of what are the rules. And Dad um, had to chase him a little bit, but it was all right. He did good.
1: You know, Isn't that interesting? Different legal ages between Canada and the United States. There's so much different, like the legal drinking age and things, but the driver's license age is the same. I wonder why.
3: I don't I don't know if it is actually. Uh driver's license is 16 all across Canada, but the graduated driver's license is different. For example, in my province, my son's actually been driving for 2 years. So Alone? as a learner's permit, he no <laughs> with me. Um but it, it, with his learner's permit, he's able to start driving at 14.
1: I see. I think it was 14 and a half, if I remember correctly. And then you start to learn. The, and I remember my very first time getting behind a wheel. I My parents always gave me the opportunity, if we wanted to go to the country roads, they would put me behind the wheel of our Ford Aerostar minivan. And I can get a little nice. bit of an experience that way. However, I never took them up on it. I just thought, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I'll just take the class and I'll learn it. Well, I didn't realize day one in the class, you would be behind the wheel driving a car if you've never done it before. And they take you on the interstate. And that was one of the most nerve-wracking moments of my life. So how do they teach driving in Canada? Uh,
3: Yeah, well, it's just up to you, really. Um, you, You can take the driver's courses. Your insurance goes down and then my son's basically been driving. Alberta's the only province in Canada, I believe, where the learner's permit age is 14. I know the audience will correct me if I'm wrong with that. When everywhere else, it starts at 16, and there's all kinds of limitations, can't drive at night, can't drive on these kinds of highways, can't drive over the speed, those sorts of things. Um Yeah, but I mean, for, for us, it was basically just that is, you want to learn to drive, okay, let's go, and then you go teach them all your bad habits, and then you pay for a class uh-huh. for them to do some driver training where they unwind all your bad habits, and then your kids get righteous, and they tell you all the things that you do wrong, because yep. Alvin said you go too far ahead past the stops on dad.
1: <laughs> what kind of car is your son driving right now?
3: He has uh, He has his own truck. He has a 2011 Ford Ranger. 4, okay, four that's... liter v V6, four by okay. four. Oh. It's
1: a 10-year-old car. And, you know, when I was growing up, a 10-year-old car looked different than a 10-year-old car today because in now, today's society, a car that's 10 years old looks like it was made just, you know, last year. And mm-hmm. when I was uh, growing and learning, a 10-year-old car looked like it was a 10-year-old car. It looked like it was forever ago. And it was a beater, and it didn't, you know, it, it didn't have electric anything, and there was an analog clock on it, and... It was a different time, but now it's like even ten-year-old vehicles are great. They're, they're lucky; these kids are spoiled.
3: They are totally spoiled. I mean, I I'm not one for new cars anyway. So most, I mean, my son's car. I was I'm looking at an SUV to pick up here because I would like a second vehicle, and his is going to be actually newer than mine. His has lower kilometers on than mine does, <laughs> so it's actually in better shape than my car.
1: Oh, that's great. See, I also have an older car. We have two. We have the family car, and then we have the if I need to go out type of car, I call it the rough rider. Cause it's not in the greatest shape, but it's from 2004. Yeah. And I'm more than happy to keep this thing until it dies. It's about to hit, I think, um, 200,000 miles soon.
3: Oh, wow. I, you know, that's funny. I did that for a long time. I didn't have a nice car for so incredibly long. Uh, anything that I could get that was decent on fuel. I lived, uh, probably about 45 minutes outside the city at that point. So there was a lot of commuting time. And I know that there was a friend of mine, Russ. He his car. It looked like someone took a shotgun and blew the mirrors off it. Like it was so beat up, it was bad. But he was, he ran. It was four hundred thousand kilometers on it, and it just kept going and going and going. And he's like, "Wow, I might as well drive it till it's dead now." My, my kids are so embarrassed to come in the car with me that sometimes I get, I get some private time that way. So.
1: Yeah, I had uh, a buddy who had a Chrysler claim it was just like that. The thing I'm surprised even ran, honestly. And you looked at it and nothing worked on it. And you were just waiting for that thing to shut off while on the highway. And you would just coast his way to his death, which never happened. And I always thought (laughs) about that. The old days with these cars, they were built so much better, too. My first car was an 83 Chevy Caprice. This thing was about the size of a boat and you know i had the the seats that you'd sink into and i don't have a lot of room to sink in anywhere to be able to see over the steering wheel and then the there wasn't really much in the way of power or anything but i was that was my first car but the thing was you could have hit me with a cruise missile and that car would have been fine it was just built different. oh yeah
3: (laughs) they uh they were they were so boxy they were like the last remnants of those the old 70s big cars right um, yeah, yeah. But they you know, you, you lower them, put some nice wheels on them, man. That's a pretty nice car. And hey, it's a great if you ever had to hide the body in the trunk, you got it.
1: Oh, more than enough. You can do two. Probably three, <laughs> depending on how big they are.
3: <laughs> My first vehicle was a Toyota pickup. It was in nineteen eighty one. And it was those little ones, those little four by fours. They were tall and they were skinny. And I didn't even think they actually had a name back then. Um, but it mm. was uh, it was great. It looked like it. The boxes all rusted out because the boxes rusted out like crazy. But um, that was my first one, and then uh, it, it's also probably a little bit different even between Canada and America when it comes to some of these cars. So then I had a 1987, 88 Chevy Sprint, eighty eight Chevy mm. Sprint was my next nice. car, and then I went to the Pontiac Sunfire, had a couple of those, and then I gave up on the domestics and I went to Volkswagen, and then I had a you job. Have a, like so a that, those car. Are
1: my, uh, that you just want something that it's not particularly uh, classic or anything along those lines, but you just really want it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm I'm picky. I, like I'm not an appliance car person. I, I like to enjoy my car. Some people are just like I don't care. It gets me around, but I like to to do that. For me, um, I was just looking this weekend for a Mini Cooper. I've had one before, and it, I had about a 2004, so it was old, like it was the smaller style. But I really want to find a convertible one. And just huh. I thought that'd be fun It for what you get for how much you drive it and how fast it goes for how much fuel it burns. It's a pretty cool car. I like for a non-classic, you know, nothing really that fancy kind of car. I guess that'd be mine. What's yours?
1: I always wanted to get one of those Jeep Woodies, the one that had the wood paneling on the side.
3: The, oh, yeah. Those
1: were so beautiful. Or an old Plymouth Barracuda. I always thought a beat up one with a stripe on it. I always thought those were super cool and I think they're starting to remake those actually. So I think they're going to try to go back into that muscle car. But I um I always thought that would be a cool one to have. Then I've always wanted a Jeep Cherokee, the original one that was all boxy. Mm-hmm. But the thing is all the yeah. 4x4 off-roaders buy those things, so it's always too expensive. You can't get cheap ones of anything anymore.
3: Yeah. Um FJ, uh, Toyota FJ Cruiser oh, it was probably one of cool. the best. Best vehicles I've ever had, Um but when it comes to normal ones, I'm, I I guess I'm just so particular about it. I, I, you know, I mean, I don't see a point in going just buying a car, just because it's like a good price. I don't see the point. I mean, if you don't love it, then I mean, I don't understand people who spend all kinds of crazy amounts of money on vehicles that are really old and will never give you any return. But you know, I mean, I would love to do like you said about your your uh, Jeep Woody wagon. I would love to do one of those old. It might have even been a Caprice, but like those old station wagons that were had the wood paneling.
1: Oh, Chevy yeah. Chevy had some
3: big, big, big ones. I
1: think you that can was say cool. Chevy Chase, the, the one that they had in vacation, the one they'd travel across it's the country. It's very similar, and, actually. And get their uh, yeah. rims and tires ripped off at St. Louis as part of the <laughs> <laughs> trip. You know, can I bring up something my wife said to me this weekend? And maybe you Absolutely. can tell me if it's weird or not. She made okay, fun of me. Marriage advice she says for I, Ryan Wrecker. I know. Uh, she says that I eat French fries weird. Can I tell you how I eat oh. French fries? Okay. I take a fry from the fast food yeah. box or whatever, and then I put the entire fry in my mouth. She says that's weird because what you should do is, you know, bite it in half. You do it in two parts.
3: Okay, so Ryan, my Ryan producer right now is losing his mind because he's like, no, no, no. You put the whole fry in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm with you, Ryan. Absolutely. You, yeah, it's a you French fry. You got to gobble it up.
1: It's a hole that yeah. you stick the fry in, and you just there's enough space. Put the fry in. We're not talking about you know the World's Fair going down. It's like you know a four foot fry or anything crazy like that. We're talking about just your regular standard <laughs> fast food fry. Absolutely. Um, okay,
3: so I clearly don't do that because that's one of the reasons that I notice if my lips are chapped because salty fries make my lips sting because I bite them. Um, but I would mm-hmm. say that I don't necessarily fold them, but probably just like. Maybe I do now that you now that you bite them in half, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, here's one that's come up for me with me and Melanie that I'll ask you, um, potato chips. Do you put the whole potato chip in your mouth or do you crunch open mouth bite off the chip for the first bite? That- Oh,
1: wow. That seems messy to open bite it, because if you were to do that, the crumbs would go all over. I guess it doesn't matter. If you look down at my chest after I'm done eating chips, you just see a bunch of chip crumbs. So you may get the impression <laughs> that I nibble on the things, but that's accidental.
3: <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's why what, you should never eat chips in bed, because if you eat chips in bed, you put the whole chip in your mouth. That's the only way to keep the crumbs out.
1: Yeah. Other than the Pringles that are meant to be less greasy and messy. What do you do? You, you actually nibble on it?
3: No, no, I don't. Um, I, I put, I'm a mouth closed chip person. There's nothing that drives me more bananas in this world than open mouths. Um, and I get it. People, it doesn't bother me if people are chewing and they talk, you know, and it's as long as it's not like food falling out of their mouth. So that mm. stuff doesn't bother me. It's the mouth noises. Oh, Maybe yeah. two things. Ba- baby drool and mouth noises. If you're chewing and I can hear the crunch, crunch, um, and I lose my mind, and I don't know why, but it drives me crazy, Um, that, the mouth-open-chewer person.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I got a sound. I hate on commercials when they pour liquids, and you can hear the water pouring the liquid into the cup. I hate that. Oh, oh.
3: No way. oh that's oh, funny. That sounds sound so crazy. Humans are weird. We get all kinds of complaints because we drink coffee on the air all the time. And, um, and so they, you know, Matt, I mean, our techno producer. The one thing about Maddie is that as soon as you tell Matt not to do something, he'll do it again. And so, uh, that's just his nature. And then, uh, so I mean, these, these, these noises and the mouth noises, it's, it's really funny how, how people just react to it. The lip smacker chewers, the <laughs> chewers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. Oh I, I will I have excused myself from the table. I have literally walked away and been like, okay, tapping out. I can't do this.
1: Get it. I By am, the uh, way, uh with like chips, what's the best chip if you were to get your favorite and only your favorite?
3: Flavor? You think of anything.
1: Flavor? The kind that you would buy. Okay,
3: just... a... Oh, I salt and vinegar for me is is hands down dynamite, mm. one of the favorites. I love like a good uh just a good plain basic potato chip. I mean mm. that's That's dynamite. But we have some flavors I don't think that you have there. For example, we have ketchup chips here, and they're amazing.
1: Oh, that's weird. No, I like the salt and vinegar, but just (laughs) brand name. uh, Do you guys have munchos there? If you go to a convenience store, it's like a red bag with yellow lettering.
3: No, no, not not that I recall.
1: I don't know if they sell that everywhere. I don't know if that's just like a cheap type of chip, but that's the kind my family always got, and I always look for it now, and it's wonderful. But the salt and vinegar chips, you can't go wrong with those. They're so good.
3: Uh huh. That's so good.
1: um See, I hate that sound so <laughs> much. Anytime an advertisement plays that sound, I think, you know what? I'm not buying your product. You just lost me. It has the reverse effect. You're Matt's telling me that sound is something minutes. like that's uh, calming to you. You listen to that, you think, oh, I love it.
3: No, I don't know. It kind of makes me have to pee. I, I don't know. <laughs>
2: Is that what it sounds like when you go to
1: the bathroom? <laughs> like, man, you must have a lot of oh, volume coming out at any given time. Wow! A lot of
3: volume. No, don't judge people by the by their volume. The noise of their stream. Oh god!
1: That's why men. Uh, oh, this is going bathroom humor real quick. But you know the porcelain oh, hides boy. that sound, which is nice. So you don't have to worry yeah. about it if you have a. Uh, anything? let I'll just end it there. Never mind. But lot yes, uh, going no. down. Like, oh, <laughs> see, you just ruined it for me. That's supposed to be appealing, like you're trying to pour a beverage or whatever. But now I'm thinking about the bathroom. So did, maybe that is going to turn other people <laughs> off too. When they listen to their the next time that's in a commercial, they're going to say, "Oh, that's the sound of someone going to the bathroom."
3: Oh. Oh, it drives me too nuts. much well they do that with the potato chips too right where they're like oh it's the you know, last crunch or some crunchy crunch crunch marketing and, and it's like oh ooh, ooh, ooh. they're having so but much also fun. baby drool makes me sick so
1: oh yeah but you know you when they like the chip bags it shows like a bunch of millennials jumping around and stuff and they're opening the bag and they're pulling like one chip and they're holding it so delicately and they're like oh this is the greatest little thing ever i don't know if i've ever seen anyone eat chips and actually have a smile on their face it's like i'm just gonna shove this in my face as fast as possible you know
3: i just judge I, them i'm just sitting here going oh yeah you and your metabolism you go ahead and eat those chips give it 10 wife. years my friend then it's gonna <laughs> land right there on your hips
1: i know that's what great uh, all the things that are going on in the world today this is more appealing than any of the political stuff so i'm, I'm glad i would agree is, is that the sound I, Did I just hear some crunching chips
3: no that was probably my rubik's cube in the background it's, Wait, you're doing
1: a Rubik's Cube?
3: Yeah, I do. Oh, there's some chips. (laughs)
2: Thanks.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, it's so easy working from home. I can just go up during the break and grab some. Uh, I always like those. Did you watch Golden Globes, by the way?
3: i watched some highlights of it, little bits here and there. Just uh, we were commenting before you came on about how high some people look. Um, But aside from that, you know, (laughs) pretty good show. So I've
1: seen the social media. Did Al Pacino fall asleep? Is that one of the memes that are out there?
3: Oh, no, I didn't see that yet. Um, yeah. I didn't see that part. I, No, no, really? You
1: know, the thing I is, when they don't have down to down. leave their home, they, they don't do the makeup and they don't dress up as much. And they look different, don't they, the celebrities?
3: They totally look different. And I absolutely judge how rich they are by their houses. And um, not only that, um, Jeff Daniels, mm-hmm. uh, Dumb and Dumber, is that right? That's his name, right? Jeff Daniels? Yep. Uh, Dumb mm-hmm. and Dumber. I mean, he was nominated and everyone around him has got these tuxes on and these big, beautiful gowns and all these things. And then he's there in a blue plaid shirt, looking like he's uh, under fluorescent light sitting in his office. Uh, it oh, look like you nice. or I on the zoom call. That's it. Yeah. Oh,
1: perfect. That's the way asleep. I would do it. I, I appreciate that no. sort of thing to walk in and it's, it's kind of like Adam Sandler doesn't dress up for anything. And I appreciate that.
3: Well, I kind of like the people that are a little bit more down to earth with this, um, how many because times have you actually kind of worn a tux
1: side? in your life?
3: Oh, now I don't think... Well, I guess when I got married. Yeah, I've done it twice out, so. in
1: my life. Twice <laughs> in my life I've worn a tux. Really? And I don't think I would want to if every year someone gave me an occasion to wear a tux. I wouldn't like that. I'd get tired of it, too.
3: I do like a good three-piece suit, though. Like, holy cow. Beautiful stuff.
1: It fits um, you right.
3: The thing. Well, I'll tell you what. We gotta uh, we got to go. It's that fast. Holy cow. Ryan Recker. Thank Shane you, brother. Shane
1: Hewitt. It's always uh, great to connect. Thanks for doing this, and I uh, enjoy our time. That is our friend Shane Hewitt, who hosts The Shift up in Canada through the Chorus radio stations all across. I love it. There's so many different people that listen to this. They'll message me, and I know they message him, and they're so good on social media. I see some of the comments there. This is such a fun thing to do on Sunday night. We're both kind of in the same boat where we're thinking, yeah, Sunday nights are this, it's like this, we got to put our head down and plow through it because it's like, you're, you're putting all the scraps from the weekend together, but you know, the Sunday night audience is like, dude, I don't want to be here. I, I I'm thinking about work in the morning. That's not fun. Oh, they're not in the right mood. And I'm just glad that we can at least have those couple of moments together, uh, drinking that sound tainted forever and rightfully so this is overnight america kmox
0: now back to overnight america on kmox sponsored by michael's flooring the flooring experts michaelsflooringoutlet.com
1: wow that was so fun i love our segments with shane hewitt so good so good couple of things I wanted to get to, and I said I was going to play that clip from Donald Trump at CPAC about cancel culture.
4: We take great pride in our country. We teach the truth about history. We celebrate our rich heritage and national traditions. We honor George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, and all national heroes. And of course, we respect our great American flag. We embrace free thought. We stand up to political correctness, and we reject left-wing lunacy. And in particular, we reject cancel culture.
1: Very good. I think that you're trying to set the stage. Here's what the Republican platform needs to be. Get in line. If you're not, then I'm going to be the one to come back and restore it. If that's what he's laying the groundwork for, um, I think you're going to find that Republicans are going to have to figure out very quickly that they need to get that backbone back. (laughs) They need it. Not a temporary one, but a real backbone. So that's part of in line with what the whole commentary with Bill Maher that I played part of it for you. It's getting really out of control right for that. One other thing, I didn't get a lot of time to play the clips from before, but there was one other clip from Donald Trump I thought that was really good. It was right towards the start of his uh, speech at CPAC over the weekend, his first appearance, his first speech since leaving office there. Uh, January 20th. So let me play this real quick. All right, here we go.
4: There's no reason whatsoever why the vast majority of young Americans should not be back in school immediately. The only reason that most parents do not have that choice is because Joe Biden sold out America's children to the teachers' unions.
1: Ooh, Joe Biden's selling out the kids.
4: His position is morally inexcusable. You know that. Joe Biden has shamefully betrayed America's youth, and he is cruelly keeping our children locked in their homes, no reason for it whatsoever. They want to get out. They're cheating the next generations of Americans out of the future that they deserve, and they do deserve this future. They're going to grow up, and they're going to have a scar.
1: Wow, and he's being truthful with all of this. If you're a parent, you realize this has not been easy on anyone. It hasn't been easy on the parents. It hasn't been easy on the kids. Definitely not. Oh, look at that. Ian's calling in from Ontario. Ian, how are you?
5: Hey, buddy. Listen, uh, you come in on 640 a.m. here uh, once every night. You give uh, about five minutes of uh, a talk, not even five minutes, and we absolutely love hearing from you.
1: Oh, that's cool, dude. I'm glad that you said that. That's awesome. What part of Ontario are you from?
5: Uh, just north of Toronto. Um wow. so it's 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 kind of it's kind of cold up here. It's yeah, a no little kidding. bit cold.
1: You know, you know it's amazing but, how far uh, the signal can reach how many miles apart we are right now.
5: You know, well, <clears throat> I'm going to learn how to uh I'm I'm a little bit older than you. Uh I'm going to learn how to stream um because <laughs> your show sounds absolutely fantastic. Uh
1: Oh, cool! But
5: I got to tell you, you, you know, you, you care are that much a about like American? every night that I listen to you.
1: Oh, that is so cool! I mean, you care that much about what goes on in America that you'd listen to an American talk station.
5: You know what? Um, America, it, you know, I mean it. It affects it, it affects Canada an awful lot. And
1: uh, yes, well, uh, I, I look at you know, Toronto because it's like in arms. Yes, but Toronto's such a large media market, and there's so many radio and television and newspapers to compete. It's interesting to think that you would uh, even consider someone in St. Louis, Missouri. I take that as a true honor. Thank you so much for calling in and saying that.
5: Well, you know what? I mean, like, seriously, I I love listening to, you know, the the politics of your format is is amazing. Um, You are a very interesting individual, and I would love to sit down, by the campfire, and have a beer with you anytime.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Ian. I appreciate it. We're going to go to break, but uh, that does mean a lot to me. Now, I don't drink personally, so you might find me with like a ginger ale or something like that, which is very nice. All right, we'll be right back after the break. And by the way, I learned what a ditto head was for the first time. Which I think plays into a call with Ian. We're gonna to get to that in just a moment. But uh, we'll be right back on Overnight America Camo X.
0: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.